Welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com. Joined by Paul Dottino, I am John Schmelk. The phone number is 201-939-4513 or hashtag Giants Chat. Big time show of Big Blue Kickoff today. Hope everyone had a great weekend. Jack Ham, NFL Hall of Famer and Penn State radio analyst, will be joining us um, in a couple of minutes to talk about the Penn State prospects. Obviously headlined by Saquon Barkley. And then at 1235, one of the friends of the program, Dan Shanka, from OurLads.com. If you need a depth chart, it's the best place in, on the internet to find a good old NFL or college depth chart. But mm -hmm. they also do great uh, draft coverage as well. Former NFL scout. So he will join us at 1235 to go to the draft class. We'll try to squeeze in your calls in between the two guests. Probably somewhere in that 1220 to 1235 area. So if you want to get on the lines, you can get on the lines. We'll try to get to you in that time. But Paul, news today. The off-season workout program has begun. It is stage one of the off-season program, which means the guys are basically just doing weight room work and they're not really yeah. interacting with the coaches on the field yet. But they're here, they're in the building, and Pat Shermer had his introductory teleconference with the media this morning to talk about the players arriving for the first time. And obviously the headline is that Odell Beckham Jr. was in the building, something some people said would not happen, but he is here. And More fake news, right? Well, that was more, I guess, anticipation. It was, it was predicting what would happen. So not yes. fake, just incorrect. Okay. But he is in the building, and obviously that does not mean he's going to be here every day of the off-season program. We'll see how that works out. But he was in the building the first day, and of course he's still coming back from that ankle injury. That is true, and um, it was, as you said, strength and conditioning stuff that's going to be the primary focus of the first two weeks. Coach did say he was meeting with the team this morning at 9.15. The conference call was at 8.30, by the way, just to make everybody aware of the timing of all of this. He was going to meet with the team, and then they were going to go into their different sessions and individual groupings with the strength and conditioning coaches. Uh, they will have some semblance of team meetings and individual meetings, but for the most part, these first two weeks are all about the body. And it's about making sure guys did the right thing during the uh, the early part of the offseason and making sure if they didn't that they get themselves back on track because you have to have a foundation before you move forward with whatever it is the coach wants you to do. And you're also ramping up for that first voluntary mini camp, which takes place the week of the draft, which is basically two weeks from today, mm -hmm. I believe, is the first day of that voluntary mini camp. Each NFL team that gets a new head coach every year has the option of having a second mini camp yes. to give the players more time on the field in a new offensive system, which the Giants obviously have with Pat Shermer. So that will take place two weeks from today, the week of the draft. Um, so something to keep an eye on as well. And the players will kind of be ramping up to that, and it'll be their job to, you know, make sure they're ready from a mental standpoint for that minicamp so they can get the most out of that week as they can. And a point made by Coach Shermer, the Giants do only have two quarterbacks in the building. So Eli Manning and Davis Webb are going to split the work in those early sessions because there's well, they, nobody else here. They have to. There's, well, it's not a story. They have only two no, quarterbacks. It, of course, they're splitting the it is. It is, somewhat, <laughs> it is somewhat of a story because they just as easily could have signed a veteran to be a third guy well, yes, that's to come true. into camp. Right. The fact that they're the two guys that are splitting the reps is not the story. The fact that they haven't brought in a third guy yes. would, would, would be the that, story. That tells right. you a lot about what they're planning with these two fellas, and Davis Webb is going to get an awful lot of work, which yeah, is sure. good for him. Absolutely, and it's be good for the coaching staff to see him on the field. Now, I think a little bit too much is probably made out of that minicamp being 
like, oh, man, if he does really good, then we're definitely not drafting no. a quarterback. But if he does really bad, then we're definitely going to draft one. But something tells me by the time they get to that Monday of the draft, they'll probably have a pretty good idea of what they're going to be doing at that point. So don't think that that three-day minicamp is going to be some type of trial run for Davis Webb that's going to determine what the Giants no. end up doing in the draft. That's not how it's going to work. No, not at all, but certainly it is good for him to get as much work with the new staff as he can possibly get because, let's face it, as we all know, they don't have enough up-close-and-personal stuff with him actually holding a football and throwing a football. So good stuff for Davis, and, and hopefully uh, everything will work out well for him. Yeah, and the guys who get on the field get a chance to work out. And remember, a lot of new faces. It's not just new players here, folks. It's new coaches as well. A lot of new people in the building getting to know each other. A lot of the new players trying to understand um, just how what, it, what it's like to work in the building. You know, every building's different, you know. Every NFL team is a different culture, a way things work. Pat Shermer is going to work things different than Ben McAdoo did. Mm -hmm. uh, the assistant coaches, he's different than Tom Coughlin. So, you know, they all kind of <laughs> have different idiosyncrasies and different specific ways of doing things that the players will figure out over the course of the next few weeks. Yeah, no question. And one of the things that Coach said to the writers when they asked him, what do you think is going to be different? He said, you know what? I've tweaked a few things, but I think it's better you ask the players. Because, you know, he doesn't want to have any preconceived notions, and he also doesn't want to put any ideas in people's heads. Let the players experience contact with him first, and they'll let you know what has changed. I think that's the appropriate way to do it. And the biggest thing for me, at least, and it has screwed me up multiple times this offseason already. For the first time since I've been here, the clocks in the facility are actually set on time. They're no longer five <laughs> minutes ahead. No, I'm serious. It's and true. When you look at the clocks, you would automatically do your five-minute calculation in your head if you have to get to a meeting or meet somebody right. or do something at a certain time. And it has screwed me up. So I'm sure Pat Shermer has made a point to the veteran giants that have been here before that the clocks have changed. Yeah, and so for them, sure that's new. We've it's been actually here. on time. Yeah, we've been here. But they it's still been. screwing me up. Well, a lot of things still screw you up, John. Fair point. <laughs> Fair point. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three. We'll get to your calls in about twenty or so minutes. But in the meantime, we're going to talk to Jack Ham, Hall of Fame linebacker, does Penn State radio, knows a lot about the Nittany Lions. Jack, thank you so much for joining us. We're honored to have you, John Schmoke, Paul Dettino here. Thanks so much for the time today. Well, my, my pleasure. I'm hearing the banter between you two guys right now, and. <laughs> It's, it's good entertainment. Oh, we appreciate well, that. Thank you, Jack. We're having a good time. You know, it's always football season as far as we're concerned. And before we get to the Penn State Nittly Lions, a team that is near and dear to your heart, I want you to share a story with me that we had a, a conversation on the phone the other day. Go back to 1971. Now, the Steelers <laughs> take in the second round, but you had told me a story about Big Blue, and I think the Giant fans would love to hear that one. Well, what happened, and uh, uh, you know, a lot of times you're getting calls from all the teams in the in the NFL uh, prior to the draft. Back then, the draft was right around in February, I guess, and uh, and uh, two days or a day before the draft, the draft, the, the New York Giants and the San Diego Chargers called me and said that they were going to draft me uh, number one the following day, and. Uh, being a naive kid from Penn State, uh, I actually believe that. <laughs> and so, so the next day, first round goes through, and uh, I, I was not picked. I was, I was picked on the eighth, I guess the eighth pick in the second round and uh, by Pittsburgh, who didn't call me at all. They didn't call me at all. I had no contact really with them. 
and they ended up drafting me in uh, in the second round. So uh, again, I was kind of disappointed not in, in the, being drafted in the first round, but uh, in retrospect, it could not have worked out any better for me. So it all. It all turned out good. Now, just as a matter of being factual, it was uh, Leon Burns, a running back from Long Beach State, who went to the San Diego Chargers. God knows why. And Giants (laughs) fans will remember that they took a speed-burning track star named Rocky Thompson, who became one of the all-time biggest busts in franchise history. But we all know it worked out very well for you, Jack. (laughs) I do. I re- do remember those picks did not turn out well for both teams, so it was karma. It had to be a karma. <laughs> Indeed. Well, and Jack, over the course of your excellent career, you tackled a lot of really good running backs. Uh, you were all over the place. You've watched a lot of Saquon Barkley. As a linebacker, give me your scouting report on Saquon Barkley and what it would have to be like to try and stop him. Well, I think, number one, I think people have to realize that he's a 233-pound running back, and uh, he probably ran his slowest 40-yard dash time in the combine at 4-4. He has run under that many, many times at, at, at Penn State in pro days and whatever the case may be. It, he's, a, he's a combination, and people have always asked me, is he, is, what, what running back does he remind you of from Penn State? Penn State's had a lot of great running backs. And and there's you got to put two or three running backs to uh, to compare to what what Barkley's able to do. He, he is an incredible route runner out of the backfield, not just swing passes and catching a ball downfield. He'll run those isolation routes against the linebacker, and he did it against in Michigan in the Michigan game and went for he was open by 12 yards downfield for for a touchdown catch and. Uh, He'll run inside. He's like I said, he's two thirty-three. He'll run inside, and uh, and he has the ability to turn the corner, and with his speed. And what he wanted to work on, especially you work on your weaknesses, even if you're a gifted athlete like Barkley. And the year before last, he got caught from behind on long runs downfield, whether it's the Ohio State game, whatever. And he worked on his speed on, on finishing off long runs. And, and I, I don't think in the entire year last year that he got caught from behind. And when guys had angles on him as well, he used that great speed. He anticipated when those guys were trying to tackle him downfield on long runs. And he did not get caught by anybody the entire season. Combine that with the fact he does not fumble the football either. He is a guy that... The entire last year, he did not fumble. And, you know, he's going he's to have the ball in his hands a lot. And I think he may have fumbled one time when a, the year before last when a, uh, one of the defensive backs of Maryland kind of got his hand in and kind of raked the football out. But he is – and he'll block on protection. He will, he will uh, pick up a linebacker if he has to sit in there. And he worked on that as well. I just have not seen a, 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 a complete back like – like Barkley, and I've been doing you know, college football now for a long time, and that compares to him. He's that special running back, and I, I wouldn't want to be the general manager that passes on him. Well, you know, Jack, Dave Gettleman, the Giants GM, says when you look at that number two pick overall, you've got to envision him wearing the gold jacket many years from now. You already have a gold jacket, so you know as well as anybody, it's not just the film work. There's got to be something else. There's got to be something behind the, 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 the surface of the onion that makes a guy truly max out his potential to be super special, to be a guy who maybe 
goes to Canton one day. What is it about Barkley that we don't see on television, that the fans can't see from the stands, Good question. that makes this guy super-duper special? Well, I, I think it's, it's what he does is a training. You know, you, everybody sees the end product on a Saturday afternoon and in the pros on a Sunday. But what he is, I saw him as a freshman come in there at 205 pounds and just work his butt off in the weight room. I mean, he's, this is a strong, strong running back, at, uh, now leading Penn State at 233 pounds. He bench presses, I mean, and cleans. They, they, I'm sure you've seen YouTube stuff on what he has been able to do in the weight room. He works at getting better and better. Too many gifted athletes, like a Barkley, think their, their athletic skills are going to be enough when you get into pros. Well, when you get into pros, now all of a sudden the, the guy who you're running a route against as a wide receiver, he runs 4-3, four, 4-4 four, four as well. You've got to really work at your craft. Barkley has that type of work ethic. It's going to make him get better and better each year. He's a guy that's very strong from the legs down. On the, I forget the, the, the exact things he did on the clean and all the other stuff here at, here at Penn State. So he's going to be a guy that's going to be able to handle the, the, the pounding of the NFL-type schedule. Uh, but the thing about him is, is he's going to work at getting better and better each each year and uh, combine that with being that gifted an athlete is why uh, I would not pass on him. We're joined by Jack Ham, Hall of Fame linebacker, and of course does Penn State Radio. Jack, obviously he's a great prospect, so all you can do is nitpick. So I'm going to nitpick a little bit here, and you tell me, <laughs> and you tell me if what you think I say has anything behind it, and whether or not you can see that part of the argument. I probably watched seven or eight games of him on tape from this year, and I thought the one thing. Uh, maybe not a cause for concern, but one thing that I noticed was that maybe sometimes he's not willing to take the dirty two or three yards on a run and instead will try to bounce it and make a big play out of it rather than just taking what's there. And in the NFL, with all the great athletes, that can get dangerous sometimes. Did you think sometimes he would be a little bit too anxious to bounce some runs when he can get a dirty two or three yards in between the tackles? Well, you know, if, as many times as he handles the ball, whether it's a receiver or a running running back, uh, there are times when every game that Penn State is playing, the defense is going to take away Barkley. They're going to take away him. That's their number one for the defensive coordinator that Penn State is playing. Combine that with, you know, Penn State this year is going to have an outstanding offensive line. They did not have an outstanding offensive right. line. And you look at some of the plays where he is hit in the backfield. You're, 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 you run that spread offense, and he is hit in the backfield sure. a number of times before he can even get started, and there's just nowhere else for him to go, whether it's, and he, did, he doesn't go down, so he spins out of a couple of things and bounces out, I think you're nitpicking. Okay, and nitpick number two, do you think he's a guy at the pro level, I know you mentioned he's 230, that can pound it for 22 to 27 times in a game if you need him to in a bad weather game in, say, December or January? No question about that. That would not – I wouldn't even – think that that is even an issue for anybody scouting Barkley, that he can handle that kind of pounding. Uh, again, he was, he was, he's been the focus of every defensive coordinator we've played against for the last two years and still put up extraordinary numbers. And uh, I just think he can take that kind of punishment. And the thing about it is, I'm not sure he's a mismatch problem. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. When you put him 
whether you take a linebacker or you're going to put a safety, he's going to be too strong for his safety to, uh, to handle him. And the linebacker is not going to be quick enough. You can run a multiple different offenses. We did it at Penn State where the linebacker, you know, they had no chance. <laughs> and he's catching balls downfield. That sounds right. <laughs> those are kind of things. Those are the kind of things in the pros that that that's that that's how you win football games yeah. in the pros is, is creating those mismatches. And you can run a standard offense or spread him out and make someone make adjustments defensively. I think that's going to be a key. And uh, you know, I, I don't watch that much of the New York Giants. Uh, you know, last year being up doing all the college football, but. I think those are multiple off, uh, formations with him in the backfield is going to cause serious problems, substitution problems for a defense. No argument from us on that. Not that the Browns needed any help, Jack, but you've now just uh, assured Cleveland of taking Barkley number one. And I know as a <laughs> well, Steeler that makes you sick. <laughs> <laughs> well, somewhere along the line, Cleveland has got to get, get good. You can't have this many uh, uh, high picks in the draft, and now they have <laughs> – I have two in the first four oh. here coming up in the draft in April. So somewhere along the line, there's got to be good players over there that are going to finally mesh together. And I wouldn't be surprised that after this year, Cleveland is not uh, – we don't talk Cleveland in the same uh, breath that we've been for the last number of years. Yeah, perhaps. All right, wanted to ask you a couple other guys, though, because Penn yep. State does have some other prospects besides Barkley. He gets all the headlines. Gasicki at tight end and Hamilton at wide receiver, two other offensive players who were certainly drawing some attention from the scouts. What do you like about those two guys? Well, I think any jump balls downfield for Gasicki. He's, he's very athletic. This guy – uh, I don't know what he did in the uh, the vertical jump in the in the combine, but uh, you know there are times when uh, McSorley threw the ball downfield along the sideline, one on one coverage, and just let the, let it, let it be a jump ball like in the in the NBA and Gasicki going up and getting it. Uh, if you'd have saw Gasicki two years ago, you probably thought he would never even be drafted in in the uh, NFL, but uh, he is. All of a sudden, he gained confidence, making a couple of key catches, and then all of a sudden getting more in rhythm, feeling good about himself. Not the greatest blocker in the world, uh, but will catch the football in the crowd, and, and he's going to outjump a lot of people downfield uh, uh, getting the football to him. He, he's, uh, he's almost about 250, and like I said, he'll, he's going to have to work on his, the blocking protection kind of things for, for him. But uh, as an offensive talent in the passing game, I mean, he's going to be outstanding. And then uh, how about Deshaun Hamilton? I watched him on tape a few games this year, and I love his route running. He's so subtle in some of the movements he makes to create space. I know maybe he didn't test as, as the best athlete, but what do you think Hamilton's upside future is at the NFL level? Well, you're, you're exactly right. If you saw him throughout the course of, of the year out of the slot, he on a one-on-one coverage, uh, the tape against Michigan, and who has a really good secondary, good defense overall, he was able to get open on a one-on-one coverages. People try to jam him at the line of scrimmage. He does a good job avoiding the jam, getting into his route downfield. And you're right, very precise in the route running, getting open. And McSorley, a lot of those times, that's that one-on-one coverage he went to. That's why he's had some great numbers and a great career at Penn State. Uh, I didn't I didn't see what speed he ran to 40 in or whatever, but uh, – uh, he, he's gonna. He'll make it in, in uh, that that uh, slot wide receiver in the NFL. That's where he kind of fits in. One other guy on offense I want to mention to you, Jack Brandon Mayen, the offensive lineman. 
Now, versatile offensive lineman, and I wonder if he didn't get uh, suspended, uh, you know, two years ago, or I guess it was last before this past season. I wonder if his draft stock might have been a bit higher. Right now, people don't talk much about him, maybe even a third-day deal. <laughs> what what happened with him, and is, is he legit? Well, he's le- legit the offensive lineman. He probably last year one of our better offensive linemen until all of the young people started to come together with Bates and and a number of other guys, uh, the McGovern, those kind of guys really started to come on and we and provided a lot of stability in our offensive line. Uh, it's, it's, what happened way back when, I'm really not sure about that. The idea of him being a strong, physical, at the line of scrimmage kind of guy, he may end up being one of those guys that has a better pro career than college, kind of like Franco Harris at Penn State. I mean, mm-hmm. his college career it was not the same as in his in his pro career, maybe because of Lydell Mitchell there. But uh, I, I, there's a good that's a good possibility. Man will end up being a, be, a better pro. He, he's strong enough. He say he stays healthy. He has he was nicked up a little bit as well. But if he stays healthy, he is strong enough to make it in the NFL the offensive line. I just want to be clear. that I, I What I have in my notes here is that he missed games for undisclosed reasons. I don't know if it was a suspension or not, so let me just make that clear. I don't want to give the guy a okay. bad rap. Uh, but he did miss some games apparently in 16, and I'm not exactly sure why. That's all. Okay. All right. Go all ahead. All right. Uh, yeah, Jack, I want to swap over to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Marcus Allen, safety. Uh, is he more of a covered safety, or is he more of a guy that's going to drop down to the box and do some punishment around the line of scrimmage? He's going to be more of a guy that's going to drop down in the box. We play that's where we played him a lot. Very good tackler. I mean, he is he takes great angles, doesn't miss tackles in open field. Probably has to work a little bit more on his range as a safety. He didn't have any. He only had a couple of interceptions uh, in his career at Penn State. But dropping him down where he's he can be like that, you know, nickel cover guy, which is ends up being kind of like a starter now in the NFL with all the passing going yeah. on in, in in pro football these days. But he is that type of guy, tough kid, decided to come back for his senior year. I think it was a smart move on his part. Could have gone out last year. I talked to his dad quite a bit, and I think it was a good move for him. He's solid in there, and uh, he's about 212, maybe 215. And, uh, again, he – He'll, he'll drop down, and that, that's probably his best position to play at the Saints position in the pros. And then real quick, fellow safety Troy Apke, you know, I didn't hear a lot about this guy. Then he shows up at the combine and runs a 4-3-4 40-yard dash. <laughs> uh, by the way, I don't know what you guys are putting in the water down there at Penn State, but some of the combine <laughs> numbers from you guys were just off the charts. Uh, if he's well, such it, a great it, athlete, what, why, why didn't he have more production during the year? Right. You, you've got to talk about the fact of our strength and, and conditioning program here at Penn State and what they were able to do because all those guys have done uh, have had phenomenal numbers in the in the combine. Apke came out of nowhere. I mean, he's back there at the safety position along with Allen a lot of times, and, uh, and you know he's got some good range and good quickness. He was a wide receiver in high school in the, in the Pittsburgh Mount Lebanon area, and we put, brought him over to. Through defense because all the wide receivers we we have and we're solid there, and to, to be very candid, I was surprised he he ran in that four three range. <laughs> and, uh, I I thought I watched him on the eye test and in the broadcasting booth for a long time. I kind of I didn't see that, but he is able to you know, you know put his numbers together in the in the combine and, and hopefully for him and and, and it'll help him in his draft status. Well, that's that whole underwear Olympics thing, Jack. You know, they don't play as fast as necessarily they run in their underwear. 
You're right. That's the thing. I mean, like for a guy like Barkley, he goes to the combine, he goes to you know pro day, whatever. All you have to do is throw on a tape of the Iowa game last year <laughs> with Penn State played in Iowa, and that is all you need to to look at. And your your scouting is done complete on that young man. You don't have to worry about what he bench presses and what you know what his vertical is or whatever. He's just a football player. And I'll tell you what else he is. He's probably fat faster with equipment than other players because he, it's just it's just very natural for him out there and uh, incredible but uh, yeah it's, uh, it's, it's there's something about this year for the all these Penn State guys who went to the combine have just done extraordinarily well a couple other guys in the secondary real quick Jack Chris Campbell and uh, Jason Kib- and um, Grant Haley two senior corners uh, what did you see from them in their time at Penn State well, good. You know, these guys are good speed uh, uh, yeah, their, their guys are good you know our secondary was good we did a lot of man-to-man cover guys out there. We put those guys in on in, in pressure situations a lot of times because we're trying to get more pressure. These guys had have had a lot of experience on one-on-one coverage at the line of scrimmage. Both guys, I think, are strong enough right now, to, uh, you know, um, with press coverage and going up on the line of scrimmage. And I'm, I'm sure they'll even get stronger going into the pros here right now. Solid players, and I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not sure where the pros have them on the, on the draft board, where they're going to end up going. But these guys are, are solid players for us, and uh, and I, I think they've got a good opportunity in the pros. All right, and, great and, stuff, absolutely. And Jack, finally, I don't want to sell your guys short here. Just give you a real chance. Thumbnail: You got three guys in the front seven: uh, Jason Cabinda, and then Curtis Cothran and Parker Cothran. No relation. One with an A, one with an E. Um, just want right. to give me what you think of those three guys. The other three guys that are draft eligible this year for the Nittany Lions. Well, inside right now, both Cothrans are guys who are, who are solid. They're they're not, they're, athletically, they're not as gifted athlete like the Maurice Hurst uh, at the uh, at Michigan. They're, they're not that right. explosive, uh, but you know, good run stoppers. Uh, you know, that, that did a great job against the run for us. That didn't you know? They're going to have to work on their pass pass rush from the inside because we had difficulty getting pressure with our front four. At sometimes when you played against an Ohio State or a Michigan, so they're going to have to get better at that. Outstanding against the run, have to work on the passing pass rush. Awesome and then stuff. for Jason Cabinda, Jason Cabinda now, he's a guy, you know, I've, I've kind of just fell in love with this kid. He's a, a guy who dropped <laughs> down weight now. He's about 230 when he played last year. Smart. This guy, and you need a guy, especially in the middle, who's making all the calls out there. Does a good job. He got a couple of receptions, but he, you know, he... I think the, the, he dropped down from about 235, 240 to, to 230 and made him a little bit quicker out there. I think his 40-yard dash time, I, I don't think he ran because of an injury or whatever, and that may be the case in the, in, for him. But this is a guy who's smart enough to play out there, and uh, I, I think he, if he gets a shot here with one of the, one of the uh, pro teams, I think he'll do well. Jack, it might be a bit unfair, but I want to ask you about a guy the Giants just picked up from the Steelers, William Gay, the veteran cornerback, 33 years old, never missed a game in 11 years in the National Football League, which I find incredible with the durability factor of what goes on in today's game. Your thoughts on, on what he might be able to add to the Giants? Well, now see now you're getting me out of my comfort I'm zone. I'm sorry. Right now I figured I'd take a when shot. I, when I do Penn State football, and you know they play sometimes Saturday night, whatever the case may be. I got be, you. 
I don't get I don't get back to watch uh, too much of uh, of the, the the Steeler defense and see how well they can play or don't don't play well. I, I'm uh, uh, I didn't really even realize he had played eleven. You play eleven years in this league and not and then not get hurt. That's uh, that's a that's a compliment in itself. But uh, uh, I don't know. But the only thing I'm talking about Pittsburgh needs every good cover guys. That, uh, <laughs> their defense has struggled that way for the last couple of years, especially against New England. So if we let this guy go. I'm not to New York. I'm not expecting Deion Sanders to be on I got you. I, well, that's unfair of me. I called an audible at the line of scrimmage, so I apologize. <laughs> Jack, great stuff. Okay. Jack, great stuff. We appreciate the time. Uh, finally, we trust your eye. You've been watching a lot of Big Ten football over the last few years. Anyone that you've seen from the opponents you guys have played this year that has jumped out to you and you're like, whoa, this guy is going to be an unbelievable pro, and maybe some people are shortchanging him a little bit. Oh, oh, well, I, I think uh, he, I'm not sure he's under the radar, but the the, uh, the kid from uh, Michigan, the defensive lineman, uh, Hurst. Hurst, do you like him? Uh, he is, I mean, there's a kid that, I mean, plays inside, and he has just, he, he does not take plays off, and he has got a, a burst. And we had, although we played well against Michigan, we played him at home and was able to win, this guy is a, is a he just comes off the uh, film as you watch Michigan play and uh, how well he plays from that the interior defensive line position. He's he's a guy that I think is going to have a a big time career. I think he had some kind of heart issue or whatever, yep. a, a physical issue, but I think this guy's going to be a big big time player. Jack, great sta- great stuff. We appreciate the time. Thanks so much for joining us and we'll talk to you down the road, all Thank right? Thank you, Jack. Okay, guys, take care. That's Jack Ham, Penn State Radio, NFL Hall of Fame linebacker. And Maurice Hurst, he got cleared, by the way. Very yes. happy for him. So, you know, maybe some teams will still be scared off a little bit. Who knows? You never know what the medicals and things like that. But uh, people have put him in the maybe not the level of player, but the Aaron Donald-type defensive tackle. A little undersized, more of a penetrator, not, you know, your big run-stuffing type of guy. So that's somebody I think could be a, a top 15, top 20 pick. But, boy, I tried to get him to say something bad about Saquon Barkley. I really did. I thought he was going to come through the phone oh, and sack me. Uh, but <laughs> you were about to get hurt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you were about to get hurt. I asked fair questions. It wasn't out of line. You, you know, I think that, you know, for everything that is said about Barkley, though, it was the stuff that Jack said in terms of his study and his dedication yep. to improving his game. That was game. a good question you asked. Well, because Jack knows. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's behind, you know, the, the, the lines there. And, you know, that's – we haven't heard – we've heard he's a good citizen. We've heard he interviews well. But we don't know as much about his work ethic and where he's actually improved his game. For instance, I didn't – I didn't look at Barkley's games from a couple of years ago where Jack said he got caught from behind a couple of times. No, I didn't. I didn't know that. Either, no. And and we know it doesn't happen now. Well, I'm look, I'm not surprised he's a hard worker. And what was the first thing I said to you when I saw him at the podium in Indianapolis? You said he's a pro. I the, the size of his yeah. thighs. I mean, he was yeah, just yeah, so That's right. I remember thick. that. And yeah. the, you don't get can, those by not working And hard. he conducts so himself in every yeah. way possible that you would want a pro to conduct himself. All right. So, well, anyway. Well, Dan Chonk in five minutes. I got two okay. calls on the line. I want to get to him before we get to Don, all right? Let's go to Dan in Delaware. He's up first. Hi, Dan. Hey, guys. How are you? Doing great, Dan. What's up? Hello. Um, yeah, uh, I just had a, qu- a comment. Sure. And then a quick uh, question for Paul about the quarterbacks. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, 
So this is not directed at either one of you. This is more directed at a lot of uh, Giants fans that I've interacted with on Twitter. I know, John, you've been on a lot of these <laughs> threads, and you and I are pretty much in lockstep when it comes to the quarterback. Um, I want to say, you know, a lot of the fans I'm hearing are talking about how we don't need to take quarterback this year because we could just get another quarterback, like, basically at any time we want. And I have to say, like, this year, in my opinion, is a complete anomaly if you look at free agency and trades. Like, you just see the quality and the depth of quarterbacks that were available this year. I agree. In free agency and trades, it's a pure anomaly. It will never happen. you got Kirk Cousins, Alex Smith, Case Keenum, to name three. And then you got the, uh, you know, the, the McCarrens and Bridgewater. all these other guys, you know, yeah. the, the Bradfords and them. So in the typical in a typical free agent year, you might have a McCarran type or a Bradford type or a Bridgewater type trying to you know get on a one year deal and show they could still do it and get on a longer you know that's a typical year. And then in the draft, in a typical year in the draft, there's one to two guys. You know you got sure. your Goff, Wentz, or yep. your Winston Mariotas, and that's in a good year. There might be two considered two kind of top quality quarterbacks. If this you're year, lucky. there's considered yeah. to be four. And when you look at all these, the, the depth of the free agents that were available in free agency or trade, and then the depth of the amount of quarterbacks in the draft, and you still see teams that are going to miss out, and they're not going to get anybody. You know, you could have the Buffalo Bills on the outside looking in, and sitting there with A.J. McCarron, or the Arizona Cardinals sitting there with Bradford, and they might not get anybody. So to, to any Giants fans that think, you know, well, when Eli decides to hang them up, we'll just trade up for a quarterback, or we'll just get another quarterback um, I just wanted to – it's more directed at, at that uh, crowd of people. And I know, John, I know, John, you and I have been on a few tweet threads yeah, regarding this type of ones. stuff. So <laughs> it's just, uh, just a reality check for people that it's not as easy. And, and this is a compliment to Eli Manning that he has spoiled us so much over the last 15 years that mm-hmm. we don't remember or realize or recall what it is like to need or want and not have a reliable – quality quarterback back there to the point where people just think it is easy to get one of these guys. And What's your question for Paul, not. Dan? So, What's your question hmm? for Paul before you go? The quick question for Paul is I know you think Allen is, is the number one guy in your book for, for a quarterback this year, but I know how you feel about Davis Webb. My question is hypothetical. If we did not have Davis Webb on this roster and our backup quarterback was like a Geno Smith type guy or a, a David Carr type, you know, a veteran backup, um, would your opinion – of taking a quarterback at two this year be any different? It would have to be. All of these factors have to be considered when you add up the equation, and there's no question in my mind that Davis Webb weighs heavily on my as I think about this. I mean, look, if Geno Smith was the number two behind Eli and those were the two quarterbacks on the roster right now, uh, yeah, I'd be thinking differently. And you would, and so you would select Josh Allen at two? I there. would be much more inclined to do it. I'm not saying I would. I'd be much more inclined to do it. So the pre- so the presence of Davis Webb has is a factor for me. There's no question. Heavily weighted in your opinions of if we should take quarterback. It absolutely has a factor for me. Thank you, Dan. We got to run, pal. Davis, thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank Appreciate you. It. You know, I th- I thought that was a good question though, because no one has really asked it asked that it to you that way specifically. Well. No one's phrased it that way, but I think I've made it very clear sure that have. Davis Webb has been part of my calculation. Absolutely, but I didn't know well, your thoughts on the class, how much it got swayed by well, Webb or not. Again, so, if Geno Smith was the number two, I, I would really – put it this way. If I didn't draft one, I would be really right. ringing the phones to try to get one. Dan, real quick, let's go to Bob in New Jersey before we get Dan up. What's going on, Bob? How are you? 
Hi, I'm I'm good. Thank you. Um, thank you for taking my call. Thanks for calling. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of in agreement with the uh, previous caller. I expect quarterbacks to go one, two, three in this year's draft, and I think the Giants will definitely pick one at number two. Like the previous caller said, it's an exceptional year for quarterbacks, and uh, you know I, I looked throughout the league, and and all I could come up with was like. In the whole league, there's only like 17 or 18 what you would call franchise quarterbacks, and that's being generous. Sure. And they were drafted over a period of like 17 years. So on average, you only get one a year. And this year, the consensus is there are three. And, uh, the, you know, the GM, and that's the GMs of Buffalo and Denver, uh, they, you know, they kind of confirmed that. And then the Jet general manager, he put his – he put his job on the line that there's three franchise quarterbacks. So I think that the you Giants that. have to take advantage of this situation. And, uh, you know, they can't let this opportunity go by. they got to pick two, a uh, quarterback at two. And I'm, I'm hoping to see Josh Rosen in, in blue next year. All right, Bob. Good stuff. Good, good opinion. We appreciate the call. Thanks so much. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Obviously, I'm much more in agreement than you on that than Paulus. And we've been through that many times. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. I disagree 500%, but that's fine. Not a problem. Well, Enjoy. Well, there's, one other, there's one other thing. Can I say one more thing? Yeah, sure. There's Real one quick. other thing that, that – not one other piece of the puzzle that really confirmed it for me. And there's, there was news reports that the giant owners, uh, Mara and Tish, went out to California and met with Rosen and Darnold. Uh, Mara, and that tells me my they, unders- both, they both passed the talent test, and they're just being vetted for uh, character. Thank you, Bob. So – Okay, bye. Appreciate it. Uh, my understanding is, and maybe I'm wrong about this, I, I understood that, that Tish was out there for, for dinner with one of the guys, maybe Rose, and that's right. what the report said. I believe so. I, from my underst- and that's because he lives out there. Yes. I mean, he, you know. Correct. So he's out there already. Correct. I, my, I do not remember seeing on TV John Mara at either guys' pro days or anything like that. I don't that. believe that to but be true I, I don't know either way for sure. Maybe he was out there. I don't know. Cannot confirm nor deny. No, but, but here's what I right. will say. Mm-hmm. Here's what I will say. If you believe... If you believe that the Giants would still like to hold somebody hostage for that pick, it behooves them to bring all these quarterbacks in for visits and to go to all of those pro days to make people think that you are interested in a quarterback so you can milk them for Fort Knox in a trade. And, Paul, the last thing you want to do is ignore them, not do due diligence, and not scout those guys. You still have to scout them anyway. You do. I mean, you have to. That's your due diligence. So, really, I hate to say it because they sound like a nice guy, but his point about that is irrelevant. It's not great. I mean, look, even if you don't think you're going to pick a quarterback, what happens if you spend the day with these guys and go to the pro day and all of a sudden you're like, oh, my goodness, what do we have here? Things could always change. You have to do your due diligence. You have to be there. Your presence has to be there. Correct. All right, let's go to our buddy Dan Shanka, OurLads.com. Dan, you got Detino and Schmelk here in East Rutherford. Ah. Thanks for jumping on. Short-term notification. We appreciate it. How's it going today? Oh, I tell you what, we're just uh, like listening to all the uh, chatter that goes on out there, and uh, whether people are knowledgeable or not, we (laughs) always enjoy listening to it. Dan, I run into the uh, same problem all the time, and it's so great to have my old school buddy on the show show today. So thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) All righty. Well, hey, so what's up? Well, Dan, let's get right to it. And obviously you've worked in the league. You know a lot of people around the league. Talking to people around, and even based on what you've seen and watched yourself, uh, I've heard some scouts say, oh, quarterback class overblown. Other people say, yeah, this is a really good class. 
uh, just to kind of build off what the last caller called about, what's your take overall on the top of this quarterback class when you take a look at them out on film and based on what people around the league have told you their opinion is of these guys? Well, it's more quantity than quality, I think. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's just so much nonsense that goes on. You know, certainly it, 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 it's a crescendo toward the draft. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, frankly, uh, you know, I, I just feel like I've got fish hooks in my eyes when, <laughs> when you know, people keep talking about Darnold and Allen. I mean, that just, I'm, I'm telling you, when you draft them, you're going to get what you get. You know what I mean? Uh, hey, you got to have two things. And it, it, when you're a quarterback in the National Football League, you better have accuracy and you better make great decisions. And both those guys are way down the line uh, on that. And um, so whoever takes them, good luck. You know, Dan, I, I really want to go bigger picture with you here because one of the huge disputes that we have had with our fan base is about the value of the different positions. Whether you can take a running back up at number two, can you take an offensive lineman, specifically a guard like Quinton Nelson at number two? And we all know that the philosophy of taking the best player available is an overriding factor for many organizations. It usually is for the Giants. But as you see it now, what is the consensus feeling around the league in terms of the value of the position compared to the overall value of the player, and how heavily does that weigh in conversations? Well, I mean, I think that you look at each player uh, as an individual entity, and, uh, for instance, uh, Barkley, he's not a running back. You know, he's a weapon. And, you know, like, no, I, I would say a Darius Geis, and really the rest of this class, you know, they're not, they're not top 15 even maybe top 20 players, but uh, Saquon Barkley is a future Hall of Fame caliber. When he's, the minute he's drafted, he's one of the top five running backs in the National Football League. He's got better hands than most receivers, if not all, in this draft. Um, you know, he is a true weapon. He, he, uh, in fact, uh, offensive coordinator ought to be fired if they don't give him the ball 25, 27 <laughs> times a game. You know what I mean? And throw throw wheel routes, throw underneath routes, line him up in the slot, line him up at wing, line him in the backfield, put him in motion, right? Kick him out to wide out and see what kind of business decisions those cornerback cornerbacks are going to make out there after he catches the ball. You know, I mean, you're talking about a six foot, two hundred and thirty three pound man that probably the worst forties ever run has been four four one, and that was at the combine when other people had watches in the you know. Four three eight and things. So you're talking about physics, a uh, just a super weapon, and um, that guy I would take number one. He's our top running back, and he's our top player in this draft. And um, you know, I mean, why would you even consider? I mean, I can't understand. And, and you know, again, most of this is nonsense from you know people that put together draft. Uh, mock drafts in their base, mom's basement and stuff, but and I understand that. It, but the thing is, why would you e even consider uh, a maybe a quarterback that you know that is not accurate that turns the ball over 37 times in 26 games, uh, who couldn't, and, and then another one that couldn't hit a bull in the behind with a handful of peas, and then you got a, a, a 
pro, you know, got all pro running back sitting there. Well, you know, well future all pro. I'm, I'm, I'm with so, you I mean, totally, Dan. But let me ask you this: aside from the quarterbacks, because you and I are not touching the quarterback, I get you. But what are you going to do when you see a guy like Quentin Nelson and a guy like Bradley Chubb, who some people believe can be weapons in their own right? at that number two selection. Are these guys legit enough, legit enough that you can have that conversation? Yeah, well, I think both of those. Certainly, Quentin Nelson is a Pro Bowl caliber uh, to be running, uh, you know, guard. And, uh, you know, I think that if you don't worry about the sexiness of a position, if you're, you know, if you want a guy to go in there and block, you can pull. Uh, to me, he's got to be a guard. You, I mean, you could put him at right tackle, but you really wouldn't want to do that. I mean, he's going to be a, uh, a Pro Bowl guard the minute he's drafted. Uh, and, they, you know, knock on wood, he doesn't get injured. But, no, he's a great football player. Stick him at left guard, you know, put him against, next to Solder, and uh, you're off and running. You know what I mean? So, no, I would have no problem uh, with like, taking a – I mean, again, you, you wouldn't take guards generally in the top ten because, you know, your feature guys are right. your left tackles and your quarterbacks and, you know, and your corner, you know, your and uh, pass rushers. But uh, you would certainly consider you – know, he's on – hey, when, when the Giants are up there and they're still sitting there at two, they're probably going to have four or five guys sitting there that they're going to be very interested in, okay, for one reason or another. And then another one, I, you know, Chubb, obviously – with Pierre Paul headed down to uh, Tampa, you know, what, I used to scout with Dave on the road, Dave Gettleman. When Dave was uh, uh, a road scout before he got into the, you know, sitting in the office and watching pro film, when he was on the road, and he was a very hardworking, conscientious guy. And I, even then, he liked big guys. I mean, he liked big <laughs> people. And, uh, you know, Chubb would fit that. Now, Chubb is not. Um, I, I, I don't think he, you know, he's certainly not uh, Miles Garrett from last year, okay? Uh, I, I don't think he's got that first-step explosiveness, but he's still a top-five pick, you know? I, I, he's an outstanding football player, high motor. He can really run. I just think that, you know, he would be a, a tick off of, you know, the first pick in the draft last year. So, but I think he's going to be a pro Bowl guy, and I think he's a very good football player. We're joined by Dan Shonka, OurLads.com. And, Dan, I want to just follow up on Chubb there for a second because I think he's an interesting case. I think he was a three-star recruit out of high school. Um, you mentioned he doesn't have the physical, raw traits that a guy like Garrett had last year. But technically, he's just so sound. And, you know, he stops the run well. He's got good hand technique to get to the quarterback. But – if you don't see that high athletic ceiling, how hesitant do general managers become selecting a player with a second, a third overall pick if they don't have that high-level athletic ability like we see some, some of those other prospects that will go that high in the draft? Well, you know, sometimes, though, guys, like if you're, you know, say you're not a super workout guy, but which, by the way, he did have a great workout. He did. You know what I mean? He, I think he ran four, five, nine, or something like that. Or, you know, I, I think that just that, you know, uh, in, he didn't really have the length. You know, I mean, he, hey, he's a tall guy, but, you know, he's not six, six, and he's not six, five, and all that. But, you know what? He gives it to you every down from, from you know, a whistle. From from snap to whistle, this guy makes plays, and that motor never turns off. And so, you know, and there's a lot to be said for for guys like that because he does have really good athletic ability. Sure. You know, I'm, I'm just talking. You know, he's not superior, 
you know, but that doesn't – hey, there's a lot of guys in the Hall of Fame right now that aren't superior athletes, but they're, they're great, hard, blue-collar guys, you know. You know, let me ask you this, Dan, because it's obvious how you feel about Barkley and how you feel about the QBs. We feel the same. At least I do. But John has floated an idea, and I, and I appreciate the logic behind this. If you don't take Barkley and you take a Chubb or a Nelson, you can get one of those other terrific running backs in round two because there are so many good next-level running backs. It looks like that's deep. It looks like maybe even the guard position. You could get some good guards early in the second round, but you probably can't get the pass rusher once you get down that far. Could you please give me a thumbnail on what you think of the depth of those three positions and how it might affect your thinking as you try to make these first and second round picks? Well, just keep in mind just what I said, though. Um, you know, Barkley is not a running back. He is a weapon. Right. So that guy is way ahead. Right. I mean, it's like, here's Barkley up there, and then then down a ways <laughs> is Geis, and then Penny, and uh, Michelle, and, and Johnson, and, and Nick Chubb, and Ronald Jones, and all those guys. So if you want to take one of those guys, you know, in the second round or third round or, you know, whatever, take them, but don't plan on getting a Hall of Fame guy. You right. know what I mean? So just you take one. So, okay, that's the way we feel about that. Now, uh, you know, I, I think that you're you're uh, correct in regards to, you know, maybe a big-time pass rusher. Uh, you consider Bradley Chubb up there. Now, I think that the guys are more – you know, like Marcus Davenport is a developmental guy that mm-hmm. at, at end, and then Sam Hubbard is a, you know, from Ohio State. Here's a guy that just it blue collar, hard working, gives it to you every down kind of guy. And uh, and the other Ohio State guy, Jalen Holmes. You know, yep. again, uh, very good athlete. But the guy, the the pick of the litter of the defensive ends is clearly Bradley Chubb. Okay. And uh, he's going to be your uh, four-man front defensive end and uh, be your pass rusher. So, you know, there we go uh, on that front. And what about with the guards? And the guards, uh, you know, obviously uh, Nelson is uh, the pick of the litter again. But uh, there are several guards out there that are certainly going to be, we think, really good football players because that's one of the – deeper parts of this particular mm-hmm. draft is, you know, the interior guys. So um, whether you take a Frank, Frank Rag now, for instance, uh, uh, in the second round, if he's there uh, from Arkansas, he's a center guard guy, you know, or win from Georgia, you know, he's a, a guard, uh, played left tackle this year, but he doesn't have really the length that you want. So yep. he's, he's going to be a guard. Hernandez, uh, a guard, a big, thick guy, tough guy. Uh, so, uh, but you got like a, a lot of the center guard combination guys with Daniels out of Iowa. You got Price out of Ohio mm-hmm. State. Um, you know, so yeah. I mean, um, those guys there are going to be really their late ones, and uh, you know, the second round. Uh, you know, all those guys I talked about are in that area. We're joined by Dan Shanka. Dan, the Giants probably not going to take a, a corner with that second overall pick, but they could trade down um, or wait till they're. Uh, 34th pick in the draft in round two to grab a corner. Um, who do you like that might drop down to the top of that second round? Or if you want to be a little even more brave, top of that third round mm-hmm. where the Giants might be able to get a, get a corner that could play significant time at the very least in the sub package this year? Well, um, in the second round, uh, you know, I think you're looking at guys like, uh, like a guy that's really a good press corner, for instance, um, 
uh, and as a big guy, is uh, Davis, Carlton Davis from Auburn. Good-sized guy, tough guy. Uh, better, though, that's uh, better in a press-type situation, uh, you know, the, and plays a little bit off. But, you know, he's big. He's a big guy, and he's a physical guy. Um, you know, I don't know if Oliver will be there at the top of the second. Prob- it probably will be a corner from Colorado, yeah, mm-hmm. um, a real athletic guy. Um, didn't use from Central Florida. He gets a lot of play late in the first round, uh, but, um, you know, he's a guy that could possibly be there because, like I said, the, eight, the people that go, you know, uh, eight crazy uh, over a cornerback or quarterbacks, you know, we're going to be knocking everybody down in that, to the second round of the Giants there, too. So they're going to get a good football player, the more quarterbacks that are taken ahead of them. And uh, so, I, and then in the third round, you know, I think you're looking at guys like uh, a very athletic guy, Dawson from the uh, University of Florida. Um, Averett from Alabama, and a guy we really like, a sub-package guy out of Penn State is uh, Haley, uh, who can play, you know, in the corner, uh, play in the slot rather, and match up. Or he's to me, he'd be better inside because he's not a real big guy, but he's an athletic guy that can jump, so he can get away with playing on the outside. But really like him uh, in the slot. Dan, from your perspective, have we seen all the movement that we're going to see in the top six picks now that the Jets did move up to three with the Colts? Are we pretty much done there, or do you expect there's going to be some more rumblings and some actual earthquakes and people shaking out of the top six as we get to uh, April the 26th? Well, you know, it'd be interesting to know if uh, Dave got that same offer at two that, um, you know, Dave Gettleman, if he got that offer at two that, you know, um, the Colts. Indianapolis yeah. got it free. You know what I mean? Um, or, 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 or is Cleveland talking to the Giants? That, hey, we'll we'll package up our twos this year. We got three of them. You know, to move up a couple spots so we can get Barkley and the quarterback <laughs> we want. You know, um, I don't know. So I think that's you know, Dorsey likes to play games uh, in Cleveland. So we'll see if there's going to be. You know, the stupidest thing he could do, though, is back out of there when, you know, they got, you know, really good football players. And don't, that's not, you know, I, we love Mayfield. I mean, Mayfield, we think clearly, and when I was with the Redskins, I did a school call on uh, on Drew Brees at, uh, you know, at uh, Purdue. Mm-hmm. And it, it was clear to me when I pulled out my report, I, I thought I was reading uh, Brees' report, you know, uh, when wow. or, or when I look at, uh, Mayfield's report, you know, I'm looking right. at Breeze's report, you know. So, I mean, to me, accuracy, great decisions like I talked about, it ain't even close to me. You could drop. Okay. Then Rosen would be second, you know, those quarterbacks because of accuracy, but he's got his injury problems. He's got, you know, his other things that you, you, you concern you. But to me, Mayfield's clearly the most accurate quarterback out there. And I, I know one thing, everybody gets hacked off real easy when you got a wide-open receiver and that ball goes over their head by 10 feet, you need that first out or you need to make a play, you know, for a for a playoff game or to get in the playoffs. So, um, but anyway, uh, I think I, – I, I don't think the, the shaking is all done at the top yet. Do you think a team is going to be willing to back up the truck for the Giants at two to move up to get the quarterback of choice, Stan? Do you think um, – the, the, Yeah, it depends how big that truck is. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I see people <laughs> wait. Hey, we've seen it over the years. Right, I mean, that's why I asked. Hey, traditionally, people are real dumb and give a lot of things for a guy that can't play. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, uh, I think maybe that's why Dave might be sitting there and he's just listening and and because he's he's going to get the guy depending on how far he's got to go down. 
he's going to get oh. a really good football player. Wait, wait. I think, you know, I think so. he wants to talk to you now. I think that's it right now, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, I tell you what, he's going he's gonna to get a good football player. And like I said, whether it's a pass rusher or whether it's the guard, you know, that he wants. Or, you know, somebody's going to do something stupid and they're going to take a bunch of quarterbacks at the, at the top and then Barkley's going to be sitting there and he'll be in the Hall of Fame when, you know, probably two of the three quarterbacks are going to be, you know, sitting on the street corner saying, take me back. You know what I mean? So it's just, uh, I, I just, you know, it, it'd be interesting. Dan, finally, real quick, give us your prediction since the Giants are picking at the top of the second round. We're asking people to be a little bit more aggressive. Um, if you were making the selections, who would you pick in the first and second round, and then what do you think the Giants are going to do? I think you know. I think we've figured out that you're going to take Barkley, right? Yeah, I would take Barkley. If he's there at number two, I'd take Barkley and head on down the road. And then now here's <laughs> this isn't going to be real popular popular with Giant fans, uh, but now in one way of thinking. But a guy that's in the second round, I don't think Dave would take him either, because like I said, I always. I mean, Dave likes big guys. This guy isn't a big guy, and uh, but uh, he'd be a developmental quarterback athlete. You know, what I'm talking about is Lamar Jackson. Wow. You know, because say, now, now here and here's the deal. Say, for instance, uh, Odell doesn't get his stuff together here in the next, uh, you know, till you know, get his his stuff together. Then here you got a guy that could develop you know, as a wide receiver, but he's also a quarterback, you know. So, but uh, on a long shot, I don't really think that happened. But I think we did throw that in there sure. in one draft. So, Perfect. you know. Yeah, why not have a little fun? And then, Dan, you, have, you, you said you used to travel with Dave around the league. What do you think he's going to do with that second pick and then at the top of the second round? I think it depends on what happens. At, at, it, no, you know, if he – I think if he's going to take the best guy, but he might very well look at um, a guy like – Frank Ragnow, who can play, you know, all the three interior positions. Now, that, depends. that, that is if he doesn't take Quentin Nelson, you know. If of course. He gets Barkley at two. Then I think, you know, that he looks at, at guys uh, like uh, in the offensive line there or, uh, you know, he likes big guys. And like I said, uh, um, if there's big interior defensive people or say there's a tight end, um, you know, you got the fast tight end from last year. But, hey, how about a big physical guy that's, uh, you know, say 6'5 and a half, 6'6 six, six, and, uh, you know, runs 4'7 or the high 4'6s like uh, Goddard from uh, South Dakota State. You know, I mean, uh, he, which is probably the best one. He may go late in the first round, but, you know, if he's there. I mean, Dave is going to be sitting there, and there's going to be these guys falling to him. You know, maybe Vander Esch from uh, yeah. Boise State. Maybe he falls there or uh, – you know, Deron Payne, the big defensive tackle from Alabama, Alabama. maybe mm -hmm. he falls. So, um, you know, I, I think there's a variety of things. There's safe, uh, another safety that, you know, if he's interested, or a, a corner. That's gonna, so I think what's going to happen is the people that draft at the top there, and as they slide down, you know, Dave's going to be there at the basket and say, well, hey, we got <laughs> this guy, this guy, and that guy, and this is the guy we're going to go with. And, Dan, so, I know you say uh, you that. Know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Dan, real quick. I know you said Dave loves big people. If he's staring at Barkley, Nelson, at Chubb, second overall, where who do you think he would pick? Barkley. Done. Do you think, I think he thinks he's going to go to the Hall of Fame. Got it. You know what I mean? I think he thinks he's a, he's a, uh, you know, he's a gold jacket guy. That's it. So I think he'd take him. Dan, great stuff. We appreciate the time, and we'll catch up with you after the draft, all right? Always great to talk to you, Dan. You Dan Chonka, right, ourlads.com, does a fantastic right. job. We love him. He's great. Awesome. He's wonderful. 
Awesome. All right, we got two minutes. I got two calls. Guys, real quick, if you want to call back another time to get your full point in, that's fine. But let's just make your point and we'll move on to the next guy. Joe in Pennsylvania first. What's up, Joe? Hey, um, we're just in a great position. Like you said, it, I was worrying about taking another quarterback. But after these two guys, uh, you know what I mean, they uh, – from Penn State and Dan here, you know what I mean? They have golden jackets, and he's like Mark Spitz there, uh, Barkley, with all the medals. You know what I mean? <laughs> Everybody else is silver and under. So we're in a great position. Unless somebody backs up the truck, I I, I really think we, we should uh, send these uh, comments out to all the league here. If they don't back up the truck, then just take Barkley. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate Thanks, the call. Joe. And Mark in Rhode Island, he's going to wrap us up. What's up, Mark? Uh, hey, guys, thanks. Uh, I'll, I'll take it off the air. Um, two quick points. Um, the narrative on uh, drafting and running back high, I think one point that I haven't heard talked about too much is that uh, running backs have such a short career that if you want an elite running back on your team, uh, you have to draft them. That's a fair point. I, um, yeah, you're and, right about that. And the chance of getting somebody who's elite in round three, it can happen, but it's a huge risk. And a lot of those guys are – one-dimensional or limited, and I think part of the threat of Barkley is that he can do everything. So you right. don't know if he's going to be getting the ball handed to him, catching a screen. Yeah, but Mark, Mark. Around. In fairness, though, do you think Alvin Kamara is a versatile player? Do you think the the kid that the Chiefs drafted last year is a versatile Kareem player Hunt. that can uh, that can do a lot of things? I think they both are. Yeah. No. Yeah, but I mean, what are the chances of getting the next Alvin Kamara in the third round? I think there's a better chance of getting a running back in the third round than a lot of other positions, I think is the point. Yeah. For sure. For yeah, sure. There's Absolutely. some depth right. there, for sure. And then the, the, the last point is just uh, the, all the Odell Beckham hype. I mean, obviously, uh, media, as we talked about, you know, they're looking for clicks, uh, so they write anything. But I'm surprised there's some Giants fans kind of like condemning behavior that you know, may or may not be true. But it's like if you were, just think for a moment, if you were a 25-year-old kid who's just a millionaire, who's a world-renowned athlete, and you have three months off work, you're not going to go on vacation. No, Mark, I hear you. Gotcha. Yeah, I hear so, you. So, gotcha. So it's like, you know, that would be the story worth writing. Oh. Appreciate it. Thanks for the – thank so, you, Mark. Have a good time. We so, got it. Okay. Appreciate it. And if you guys heard that, they're, they're There's drilling. There's some nasty construction they're going drilling. on. <laughs> and it just I'm sounds sorry. very funny. <laughs> I know. We weren't laughing at the call. No, we were not. No, Mark, you were good points. It was, it There's was, some it construction was, going on here, and it sounds kind of funny. It sounded like something else. All right. By the way, real quick. Yeah, we got to get to Eli's call. The idea of Saquon Barkley as a weapon is what's kind of drawing me as that possibility. And I have some some intel from Cleveland, too, that I'll save and I'll tease for another show. For Paul Dottino, I'm John Schmuck. We'll see you next time on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Everybody have a great day.